politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Travis? Yes? Yeah. <laughs> I am overwhelmed by the excitement level that my compatriots are demonstrating today. But for all our listeners, we are suffering from a common problem. Yes. It's called allergies. There is a tree right outside my window right now, Adam, and it is covered with millions of pain causing sp- things it's just it's it's blooming and i'm 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 mucus man and i'm allergic guy and adam would you have an allergy you don't have allergies out in the desert of course i do you know in the old days it would be like come to the desert your sinuses will thank you (laughs) and then they planted stuff and it blooms and when it blooms, I die. I got you. I thought you were only allergic with to like scorpions and, and other creepy well, I'm, crawlies. I'm, I'm, I'm allergic to that. I'm allergic to waking up in the morning. I have yeah. a list of things that I'm allergic to. <laughs> uh, but when I think about how we are impacted by allergies, mm-hmm. they are sort of a, de- a nasal denial of service attack. Pretty much. I think uh, every morning when I have to use the uh, windshield wipers to clean the pollen off my car, uh, I know I'm going to have a rough day. Well, but that's so devious. The trees are actually like they're 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 ganging up on us and they're figuring out how to say like no air for you. So, Travis, you know what else I'm allergic to? Fishing emails. Same. Yeah, I think the uh, thing I've been hearing about and reading about that uh, that's going around of late um, is something that tends to happen around the same time as allergies, actually, uh, being from tax season. Yeah, I get an allergic response to taxes. I'm no, sure no. you guys do as well. <laughs> He's not talking about that, though. <laughs> right. So, so you're talking about people who are reaching out um, uh, and trying to get people to do something dumb so they can scam them? Yeah, um, apparently there are a lot of emails that are getting sent out claiming to be uh, sent on the part of the IRS. Um, that really isn't anything uh, that new as such. It's just something saying like, please open this document. The document will be called something like W9 or W2.pdf. The scary thing here is that uh, a lot of these emails that are going around uh, this tax season and uh, this allergy season for that matter are <laughs> uh, re- reportedly coming from uh, the Emotet um Botnet or spreading the Emotet malware. The sophisticated malware virus known as Emotet wreaking havoc on the internet for years now. It used to be called the uh, most uh, dangerous uh, malware in the world or the most dangerous botnet because it was such an effective banking trojan a few years ago. One of the most dangerous global... Um, There's a huge effort on the part of law enforcement and uh, the cybersecurity community to shut down the Emotet botnet. And then uh, a few months later, Conti figured out a way to bring it back. And so Conti, being the infamous uh, Russian ransomware gang, is just sort of presenting us with a uh, malware uh, turducken because it's <laughs> a it, it's a super it's a super dangerous form of malware that can uh, you know spread. It's coming on the heels of IRS uh, phishing email season, and one of the groups behind it, or at least the primary group that they're finding behind it right now, is one of the most infamous uh, ransomware gangs in the world. I, I was interested this week, Adam, in, in a new 
it's just a new twist on on uh, the fishing game, which is you know a lot of companies are getting better at educating their employees about how to avoid phishing emails. But so so some criminals have taken threat actors, I should say, have taken to using contact forms on websites yes. to mm-hmm. send an email. So when I'll be like, hey Adam, uh, or not even hey Adam, to whom this may concern, I'm interested in buying one of your giant AC units. I want to learn more. They send something back as the threat actor. I send them an, a response to what they send me and say, well, this is actually what I'm looking for with an attachment. Boom. I win. That wasn't you, Bo, that did that for me huh. when you sent me something? What do you know about this, Travi? Uh, well, one of the reasons why it's so effective is that if you see a contact form on a website, you know it's going to someone. And for contact forms on websites, a lot of the time, especially if it's uh, offering some sort of uh, customer service or tech support, they will also allow attachments. And don't a lot of people think that contact forms are just safer than providing an email? Yeah, that's that's kind of the irony is just because uh, people by and large stopped or at least phased out putting an email address on a website because there were so many um, hacking uh, groups out there that would just comb websites for contact emails. They say like a contact form is technically supposed to be giving you a, a little, you know, one more uh, barrier between that and access. But what that also means is, you know, for a fact that this is going to an email address, at least one email address with an organization. And if you uh, get your story right, or if you uh, fill something out properly, they will get back to you. That's one way to get an attachment to somebody, but there is a much more devious way to get an attachment uh, opened on a computer at work. And Adam pointed this out earlier to me, which is March Madness. You know, everyone loves to play March Madness. They can, they get brackets, they fill out brackets. Almost every company's got a bracket going on. Groups of friends have brackets going on. There's no more perfect way during March Madness to get into some company's network than to have somebody download an attachment. Well, sure. The uh, I mean, the main threat here is, yeah, to your point that people are emailing attachments left and right. And March Madness versus a lot of other annual events is something that is taking place in a lot of workplaces. So if you have, say, one compromised email account, if you manage to guess one person's uh, or even just uh, buy access to one person's uh, email address at a business, you can just send out an email saying like, hey, everyone, here's my updated bracket and people will open it. You don't really need to have much more of an explanation than that because people are sending their brackets back and forth to one another. So that's one way to do it. Yeah, this is the genius of of hackers. They always take a situation that people expect and that people will be eager to respond to and they disguise their malware, their phishing attacks uh, as part of whatever this is. Now, and if you don't get what we're saying here, because you're like, well, that's a phishing attack, and that's a phishing attack, and that's a phishing attack. Go back a few decades, quite a few, to the old Pink Panther movies and think Inspector Clouseau, because you know what? That Inspector Clouseau could wear a million different disguises, but he was always Clouseau, and fishing's the same way. He dresses up different, can look a little different. That's the trick. People are constantly finding new ways to disguise it. And in honor of Inspector Clouseau, let me say, does your email bite? (laughs) (laughs) There are companies that have um, intellectual property that aren't huge, especially in the biotech uh, business. So you'll have one scientist will start a company to sell one drug that they're developing and there's literally 10 employees there. So when you go through that contact form, you are hitting somebody who's connected to somebody who can get you what you want, especially if you are a, a, a state sponsored threat actor. As we know, there are some countries out there that will go unnamed that prefer to steal stuff rather than develop it. Mm-hmm. No, uh, really? Well, I heard that there was a country somewhere uh, about the size of Russia, but not Russia, maybe a lot bigger than Russia population-wise. Does it have an initial that might be somewhere between a B and an F? A B and an F. No. 
the first initial. I'm bad at math and I'm bad at logic questions, but yes, it does. I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now here's a question, and this is for all of our listeners. What is the one letter that does not exist in the name of any state of the United States? It's not Z. Nope. Well, this is one of those things where it would take it's, it's going to take a long time so if you anyone is listening to this show right now because i know that you are dying to write a review and this is a chance where you can not only write a review but spread knowledge and wisdom so in your review give us five stars and tell us the letter that does not appear in the name of any state in the united states and if you're really impatient because for me, instant gratification isn't fast enough. We'll give you the answer at the end of this episode. Welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam, cyber allergist. I'm Bo, cyber allergen. And I'm Travis, cyber sneezy. We'll fix ya. <laughs> and today we're talking again with one of our favorites, Jack Resider from Darknet Diaries, who's coming back for chapter two. This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather, and recapture the magic of riding a bike with electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities, it's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike, and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means you get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't like, it's not cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com. And please mention that What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works, not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing, and I need to make split-second financial decisions, and that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks, and I trade options, and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. Jack, it would be helpful to find out a little bit more about you that we can share with our listeners. Yep, yep. Uh, depend, depending upon how much you're willing to let us share with our listeners <laughs> but sure. like for instance you know where are you other than floating around the ether right now? yeah i uh, i don't like giving locations because i'm a little bit afraid of putting identities and information out on the internet um that kind of stuff can come back and bite you uh, true. Uh, which I'll, I'll share some stuff later about why i'm pretty hesitant to do that so um, I'll, I'll just say I'm U.S. based. You're not sharing your image right now of in in the video that we're we're all on because of the same reason. You don't want anyone to have a, a beat on you. Right. I don't like having um, any yeah any vo photos of me out there and this kind of thing. And yeah, I mean I've been a, in network security for a long time. I've seen the news of what can happen if somebody gets your information and what can they do. And you know there's 
for, for a few years now, there seems to be a war on journalists and, and stuff like that. So I just kind of want to step back from that kind of uh, heat and uh, not not be the, the you know, low-hanging fruit that's easy for people to target, at least that. you're gonna If you want to target me, it's going to be a, a little bit difficult. And do you get targeted at all? I mean, I assume that people try to uh, fish you and otherwise get your attention. Well, I, I mean, I make a show about hackers and cybercrime, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who would love to have the feather in their hat of like, oh, I hacked Jack Recider, look at I got his stuff and whatever. And I've also exposed, you know, some nation state actors and some cyber criminals, this kind of thing. So I think there's maybe some places out there that don't like me. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, there are uh, some people trying to do something at different various degrees of why. Uh, but yeah, I do have a story that uh, kind of scared the pants off me when I first got into this online content creation. Where were you? Where was the first place you, you, you landed when you were doing content creation? So yeah, I was, um, I mean, I've been internet savvy ever since I had AOL, right? So it's been a long time and I've always wanted to put stuff online, do things. I just didn't know what. And so I was, I was all, every project was like 99% of the way done. And then <laughs> it never got finished. Um, but yeah, somewhere along the way, I created, I was a network security engineer. And so I was, um, you know, learning about these things and decided, okay, I'll blog about this sort of thing. And I was blogging about network security. And um, I said, oh, you know what? I might as well give some, make some videos too about, you know, kind of a, a lecture or a talk about this particular topic. And so I was putting some videos on YouTube and, um, yeah, I decided, well, I've got some other things that I'm interested in besides this cybersecurity stuff. And so I started posting um, <laughs> really strange videos. Like I found some styrofoam and I decided to see what, it, oh, see what I can make out of it. Could I use it to make a boat out of it? And could I use it to make a, a house out of it? You know, I was just building different things in it because I had these huge styrofoam panels. That was one video. Another video was like solar panels that I was building. And I was trying to make some, I think, some like water filtration device in my backyard. So I was taking my my uh, washing machine and taking the water from that to try to cycle, recycle the water and then use it in the garden. And, uh, you know, I had this big video on how to do that. So these were just some of the videos I was posting at the time. And, you know, when I was posting it, I had my face fully there and was not shy of, of being on camera. And were you, you now, were you at the time a homesteader or doing some gardening at your place? Like what was, what was the, what was the reason for that water project? I'm just curious. No, I, I wasn't quite a homesteader. I do like the idea of trying to be less reliant on the outside world. And so I was just playing around with different gardening things, but it wasn't enough to survive on. But the, 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 the your videos were not necessarily about infosec at the time or or hackers yeah or there, it was a little mix right there was some talks that i would give and then there was this kind of wild just <laughs> what what are you doing on the weekend look at this project i did were you uh were you nervous to show your face back then or you you felt pretty secure no i i think i wanted to create like a brand of me of like i am this content creator i'm this blogger here i am i'll give talks at conferences and stuff so i kind of wanted my my face and my name to get out there so i thought it was okay to do how many how many followers did your youtube channel have back in those days oh like a few thousand three thousand or so uh you must have had some fans maybe even some stands it, it was more like uh, I I had a, a video that I think it was an electronics project about XBs, um, and I decided to put that out, and that that did great, create you know quite the traction. A lot of people picked it up, so 100,000 views from from this, and people are like, oh, I'll subscribe and stuff. So yeah, I mean there were fans, but there were they, I, I don't think anybody was a fan of all the videos, right? They were a fan of some of the videos. Now, in these videos, I really put my 
character in there, right? So I would dress up with funny hats and funny glasses and wear strange scarves and clothes and say really strange things. And then every now and then, you know, maybe I'd have like a puff of smoke in the background to make it look like something's burning behind me and I'm just totally ignoring it. And, it, and I thought it was like a funny joke. <laughs> Can you give an example of a strange thing you would say? It, it was just funny things in the background props. I had very strange glasses on, very strange hats. I would sometimes just sit on the roof and talk in the camera, you know, like it was, it was just, um, <laughs> it was really strange, but I never acknowledged any of the strangeness. I went straight for, okay, look, when we're dealing with solar panels, we got to deal with ohms and amps and let's do the math here. And I was very serious about the calculations I was doing on a lot of the stuff. And so it was kind of funny to have the visuals be very odd, but then the content be very serious. And it was accurate. You were, mm -hmm. you knew what you were talking about. Yeah. So, Jack, were, were you trying to be provocative or humorous or both? Yeah, I think uh, interesting, I would say. Just interesting. It sounds, it sounds interesting. It's that like, definitely. yeah, like, like when a lawyer wears color, <laughs> like a, a, a man lawyer wears colorful pink underwear. Like they've got this little thing inside them that, that they know they're funny and unique and they, they don't really want to show the world, well, here is that thing coming out, right? I'm like, you know what? I'm a funny guy. I'm a unique guy. Here's some of the things that is going on in my world. But by the way, I'm not going to acknowledge any of that. I'm just going to talk about the interesting thing that I'm, I want to bring you today. I think that's brilliant. I, I wish, so are these, YouTube, um, these YouTube videos still around? Or I assume, since you said your face was in some of them, they're not up anymore? Or? Yeah, the only ones that remain are the XB ones, which uh, if there was my face in it, I've blurred it out at this point. How long ago was this, Jack? Uh, six years ago. How, how vulnerable were you when you were doing that to OSINT, to open source intelligence type work if someone was trying to figure stuff out about you. Yeah, I, I was still doing network security, so I kind of knew the dangers, right? So I wasn't giving my street address. I wasn't trying to, um, you know, <laughs> give much more information and, uh, than, than I needed. I, I, I wasn't forthcoming with <laughs> private information, uh, if that's what you're asking. Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rope Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Bro's got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Jack, when you were making these videos, were you tracking stats like how many viewers, what your growth was? Were you really trying to grow an audience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wanted to. Because, you know, the, the real question here, and, and somebody with your background would absolutely know this cold, but, you know, how do you balance being a public figure with being safe and secure? Yeah, I think uh, uh, you, you want to use your name as least amount as possible, right? So use a fake name if you can. Um, don't provide details such as your location, your 
age, your interest, your family status, who you're related to, who your friends are even, um, because, you know, people can target them to try to get to you and stuff like that. So yeah, I, you just kind of want to really pull back on all the possible things and just talk about <laughs> very common things like the weather online if you're on social media and stuff, right? Uh, because the more you divulge about yourself, the more that somebody can build some sort of targeting package to you. And when you have situations like where people are, you know, saying that they're in, in Bitcoin investors or, or they're big into Ethereum or something, well, now you know that this person probably has a lot of Bitcoin and you can say, all right, well, how can I social engineer this this person to get what I need out of them? And people have lost millions of dollars in Bitcoin this way. So you've, you've got to kind of see what could potentially go wrong. Like, you, you know, sometimes you have something that other people think is valuable. And they, if they can steal it digitally or um, even uh, pressure you into um, just giving money because, you know, they've conned you. Um, you know, I've seen catfishing scams and stuff like this where... People are like, well, now I have your, <laughs> now I have your photos. Give me five hundred dollars, or else I'm going to publish it to the world. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a dangerous world. So I just try to stay out of that light and just have like a professional um, persona that I put out there instead, which doesn't always match my real persona. Did you have experiences where someone tried to get more information about you by? going to family members or at least trying to trick family members? Well, I haven't had that experience, but I've seen that used many times. There was a talk at DEF CON, I remember specifically, where I think it was titled How I Hacked Your Girlfriend. And it was, somebody was trying to hack uh, another hacker and they couldn't get to him because that guy was very secure, but they got, they figured out who his girlfriend was and got into her Facebook account, which connected to his. And that's how he was able to get everything out of this person. No, we, you know, we try to tell people the fact that sometimes they may not be after you. They may be after somebody with whom you're connected. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, or you're only as secure as your four-year-old kid on your tablet. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so everything was going good on this YouTube channel. Things were growing. It was going nice. But I was still working. And I went to work one day and I saw this email that said, Hi, Jack. I'm your biggest fan. Love your stuff on YouTube. And this was my work email address. This is not oh. connected to my real life. Mm. And I, like, the hairs on the back of my neck went up, and I was like, how did, why are you emailing me at work? There's no way that you got my work email from YouTube. And I asked him, and he wrote an email back to me. And I'm going to read parts of these emails. All right, Jack, I'll try to explain. I saw your video about the solar panels. And I watched it over and over and over again. And, and I just absolutely love your channel. And I've watched all your videos. And I think you're fantastic. And <laughs> he's even asking, I wonder where that smoke is coming from in the background there. That's always uh, it's, it's made me wonder. But then he says, uh, I see that there's like a highway near your, where you're living. And I can hear it in the videos. And so I also saw that there was a lake in one of your videos. Uh, and I was able to see the sign of what the lake was, what the name of the lake was. And from there, I kind of got your general location. And then I, 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 once I got your, which town you were in, I typed in your name into Google with that town. And then that showed me that you were a member of a juggling club. Which is true. I am a member of a juggling club in that town. And uh, that was a hobby I had. And from there, it had an old email address. That said, if you want to contact me, contact me through this email, but that email did not work and it looks like they tried it and it just didn't exist. I guess that email had my last name in it as well. So they were able to get my first and last name there. So you basically, you got re-identified and this is something Bo and Travis and I write a lot about. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, people think that they're floating around anonymously and they have no idea as you've just proven here. And we talked about is they had no idea that it wasn't that difficult to ultimately if somebody put their mind to it. It's like, a, it's like, it's actually kind of a creepy trick that catfishers use too when they're stalking somebody. So you really were getting stalked. Yes. Yes, it, it was. And, it, and it's very creepy. And, the, and it goes on that they used, um, they used my first and last name in the city where I lived. And that brought um, them to the, uh, what is it, the county records. 
and they were able to see um, my name in the county records of which house I owned. And this is all open source. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, they continued to search Google and they found where I worked. And on that particular, it was a particular video where I was like promoting a com- the company I was working at. Oh, come work here. It's a great place. And um, I guess my email address was on the video. I don't know why it was on that video, but it was. And so they were able to find where I worked and emailed me at work and then gave me this whole thing. And, and what's funny is they have screenshots of like all the places where they found this information. So they were clearly like building some sort of, I don't know, word, word doc of all the clues that they had discovered along the way. And I don't know how long it took them, but yeah, this was, this was just from a fan. This was not even somebody trying to do something malicious to me. It was just a fan. And that freaked me out tremendously. So do you, do you think this, this person, who, man or woman, that they were trying to show off, or you think it was something more sinister? I, I mean, I think that they were wanting to be friends, and I think they were lonely <laughs> and just said, oh, I really connect with this guy. And they were, he was from Germany, and he showed me his solar panels, because we both had solar panels on our roof. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just, they just matched with my vibe and was like, I need to know more everything I can about this guy. I also want to point out that this was before, you know, when you meet people online today, maybe through dating apps or whatever, you automatically Google them and try to figure out where they are and try to find their other social accounts. This was before all that, where it was actually a little bit creepy to Google someone just on a dating app. (laughs) So I was like, I don't know. I think that's, do you remember those days where it was like, yeah, I think it's kind of weird to Google someone's name when you meet them. It was considered completely like wrong to Google people for that, before that, before, yeah. the, before the advent of those apps. It was, it was creepy to do. Creepy. Do you ever like express any uh, discomfort with this person or? Oh yeah. I, well, I didn't, I actually didn't tell them. I fact, so what, what happened is I, 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 I made the wrong move and I felt flattered and amazed that one of my fans would do this. It wasn't, I wasn't quite creeped out at first. I was just like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I think I like showed them something else, like some more pictures of the solar panels or something and actually like played into this. Cause like, oh yeah, wow, it's amazing you reached out. That's crazy that you found me. And I guess they were messaging me on YouTube and I just wasn't seeing the messages. And <laughs> so you talk about Stan, like I messaged you four times, man. You never wrote back. But uh, yeah, I, I was flattered. But then when I talked to some other people, that's when I realized, uh-oh, this this is bad. This is creepy, and I need to do something about this. So this was not a Sally Fields, you love me, you really, really love me moment. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. But what, so what did you do about it? What, what was so the, is I, there, how do you take evasive, manu- you know? Yeah, universe? I had to judge whether or not these videos were worth it. And they were really kind of crappy videos. So <laughs> I just decided to take them all down off YouTube um, and uh, start a new channel, I think, I, or, or pivot or change the name or something, right? So I feel like I, I ripped it clean and started fresh. So, so now if the present day you could talk to the you back then, what advice would you give you? Um, well, I think there were some outs, like some identifying pieces in the, in the scenes, right? So there were some mountains, lakes that were easily, you could see where, where this person is. And so I would say, just do your shots inside or with it, like the angle shooting downwards. So you don't see anything outside of the thing that's supposed to be in the frame. Uh, That's number one. Number two, I wish I had like a a different name, a, a fake name that I was using. Um, and so that would have been a, a better idea and, um, not, yeah, just divulging less just keep it more distant. Also, you know, out, have a whole different like persona with a different email address as well. So that if somebody decides to attack that person, that email address, whatever the case is, they get that persona and not where my bank is and all this other stuff as well. So 
I have to ask, I don't know how to ask this, but I, I think I can manage it. Anonymity um, and having a really popular podcast don't seem to go hand in glove. And I don't think of you as anonymous. I think of you actually, since I've listened to hundreds of your episodes, as like my best friend. Now, I'm not definitely not a stan, so I'm not going to, you know, engage in trying to find you. But I wonder, you know, when I think of Darknet Diaries and, and you, Jack, I think, oh, that I know that guy. I mean, I know how he, he thinks. I love the way he puts together a story, yada, yada, yada. But now that I think of it, you are basically anonymous. Um, how do you, how do you do that? Do you do public speaking engagements? I mean, do you just absolutely stay out of, out of public? So there's a few people that I look to for advice in this situation. If you look at the lockpicking lawyer, for example, this guy is being made famous for showing us how to pick lock on YouTube. However, he only shows his hands and he only calls himself the lockpicking lawyer. He's giving talks around the nation. He's giving keynote speak speeches in front of large crowds. Uh, but he's doing it in such a way that he's saying, please don't take photographs. And they're actually making the, you know, the stage manager only have lights on the background of the stage so that you only see a silhouette of him from the audience. And so he's doing things like that. Um, you've got podcasters such as uh, Case File, which is a completely anonymous podcast. Um, the, the host has never revealed his name. And so he's still able to make a very successful, I mean, it's one of the biggest shows out there. Um, so maybe in the top 200, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's, he was able to go from absolutely nobody up to complete stardom. Um, and then there's people like Michael Bazell, who creates a podcast. Um, I don't remember what it's called, The Privacy and OSINT Show or something like that. But he creates a book called Extreme Privacy. So he talks about how to stay anonymous online, stay hidden online, stay out of you know, reach of, of people. And he gives talks as well on stage in front of people. And so I ask him, how do you how do you do this? And he says, I make sure that the conference understands 100% that no photography is allowed and we're going to, you know, get the stage set up in a certain way that it's going to be difficult for them to photograph me. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, you can still be these big people online as creators today and even give talks in person and meet people and still can preserve your anonymity. And these are my heroes, right? These are the people that I'm just like, this is great. This, this We're not completely lost at being private online. There are ways that we can still be someone uh, popular and still people know us in person and still not really know who we are, <laughs> which is kind of another strange thing because then when you go to your, like, your dentist and your dentist asks you, what do you do? Oh man, you actually know my real name. I'm not going to tell you what I really do and stuff like that. So... It, it's a bit trickier. Well, uh, privacy is definitely a bit of a, a hot-button topic these days. And I think uh, one thing that I'd have to wonder, uh, given how much you uh, clearly value your privacy, is um, what uh, what recommendations do you have for uh, keeping private online? Do you use any specific like browsers or plugins or anything mm. like that? Or? Yeah, I, um, I use a, a bunch of tools. So I, I'm just going to rapid-fire list some stuff here. I, I'm not really sure what's yeah, the biggest do. bang for the buck. But I like to, you know, use a firewall to block as much traffic as I can just at the perimeter. I like to use DNS filters, such as DNS filter or, or uh, the Pi hole, Raspberry Pi thing. Um, so, you know, now we're blocking a lot of just DNS requests that we don't need, right? So that's trackers, sure. that's advertisers. I like to use a host space firewall as well, such as little snitch that just says, "Are you? do you want your computer to connect to Adobe right now. Well, I don't have any Adobe products open. So no, you're not getting into Adobe connection, right? right? So that blocks a lot of traffic as well. And so just there, you know, I've already blocked, you know, 50% of the stuff that's coming in and out of my computer. Um, on top of that, I like to use, um, you know, privacy centric email providers, um, such as ProtonMail, um, GorillaMail, 10MinuteMail, things that you can just you know, spin up and put down or whatever. Like some of them are throwaway accounts. Some are uh, absolutely encrypted uh, beyond the long arm of the law kind of reach kind of thing. So um, then there are 
you know, being safe as as far as like using a very complex, different password on every website you go to. And I've graduated beyond that and I'm using different email addresses. I've got over a dozen email addresses that I use for different things because if somebody gets into my main email account and that's connected to all of my uh, uh, all of my social medias and, and Facebook, uh, uh, you know, banks, crypto accounts, everything, that's my entire life, right? So I, I want to segment that and compartmentalize that. This email is just for my uh, crypto <laughs> crypto stuff, right? So that that will never show up in a breach unless that crypto company gets into a breach. <laughs> that's the only time that's ever going to be in a breach. So that really reduces the, uh, the exposure that that could have by getting somewhere. So nobody even knows that I own that account. Because, I mean, when you email someone and now they have the first half of your login, right? <laughs> if you're like, oh, yeah, there's your email. I bet that might work on, you know, you go to Coinbase.com, type, say, um, I want to register a new user, type in that email address and then, a bogus, and then you know, a password. And they'll say, actually, that user's already registered here. Ah, now you know they, you, the first half of their login. So, yeah, I want to keep that uh, away as well. I mean, these are all, there are a whole bunch of little things I do like this. Um, and it just goes on and on, I suppose. I was about to say, um, I think one thing that I, I definitely uh, value my privacy online, but one thing I always uh, hear from people is um, when they say, I have nothing to hide. Why would I be private? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a wrong attitude to have for sure. Um, sure. You don't, it's easy for, our, our our lives are so digital now. It's easy for somebody to really disrupt it. I mean, they can they can mess you up so bad, and you don't want to just leave, you don't want to leave your password out in the open or your PIN number or these kind of things. And this is what we're talking about: is there's things that are are private to you that you don't want to uh, let out there um, because it can really ruin your life. So, do you use any platform, social media that's the worst for privacy anonymity, but you still use it? Mm, yeah, I think Facebook is one of those cases. And I, I use it mainly for work to contact, you know, potential guests and and advertise the show. But it creeps me out every time. I, I use a specific computer. I only have one computer that I have. And, uh, that That's the one that I go on Facebook with. All right, so given to what happened to you in, on YouTube... Uh, should we be worried about making this show? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm I'm always worried um, all the time. So <laughs> I don't know, but I do see people like uh, you know posting way too much. So um, they post pictures of their of their kids. They post pictures of their, their what's in their wallet. I mean, all kinds of things that they shouldn't be posting. And so that sort of resembles your wife, Adam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who will be listening to this Hi, podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but this, but this does, you know, it goes to like you were you're saying earlier that you know it, you can hack somebody by hacking somebody who's close to that person, and and, and there have been big hacks of huge companies that have happened that way where a vendor gets hacked or you know someone who doesn't think they're a target like a HVAC company, and then they that from there they can they can navigate to uh, a source, but I have a question for uh, our listeners, which takes what we're talking about and, and, and ties it back to the way that you got re-identified on YouTube. Um, obviously images that are identifiable that show well, this is that park and we know that park is near your house and we know your kid plays at that park. That's an obvious one, but what are other ways that people can manage their private public persona and um, stop themselves from being re-identified. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it, so it's tricky as well because there's there's a lot of marketing companies out there that are trying to do things and collect information. So, for instance, Target will has a dossier on on everyone who shops there. They if you shop with a credit card, when you swipe your card, your name gets tagged to the things that you just bought, and now they start saying, "Okay, here are all the things you've bought in the past." And if you're doing things like buying unscented soaps and lotions and you're a woman, they are going to say, "Hey, uh, and uh, statisticians, what do you think this person is uh, up to?" And the statisticians that they have working at Target say, "Oh, we think this person is pregnant." So let's give them some coupons for baby items, right? And so there's a database 
that says whether or not you're pregnant <laughs> or yeah, is suspected I mean, to be it's pregnant. why people think that they're being listened to on their phones when in fact everything they email and put out there and buy on their credit cards is getting 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 caught in a gill net and and added to a file and then facebook of course knows when you're about to break up with your you're about to be broken up with before you do wow well that might be helpful for you they <laughs> yeah, tell no, you you can at least find an apartment yeah that's yeah. right tell me like three years before so i know if it's even worth my time <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so this is kind of the thing that I get like, okay, let's do all this work to not post anything and keep our privacy is private. But then it really doesn't matter at the end of the day, because there's all these marketing companies that are just doing everything they can to drudge up this information on you um, through other things. So yeah, it becomes like a struggle. And I feel like maybe it's like in the 90s, we had an issue with uh, environmental damage, right? We had a lot of oil spills and we had uh, refineries exploding. I don't know. It was just like an environmental nightmare in the 90s, right? And it's going to take decades for us to put that genie back in the bottle. And I feel like in the last 10, 20 years, it's been like that for privacy. It's just been an, an environmental disaster for privacy. We just want more features and we want more just-in-time information. And we and because of that, we're giving up so much of our privacy and it's going to, you know, the next generation is going to be like, what have you done? Why is all this happening? And it's going to take decades for us to put that back in the bottle. Well, that was uh, that was amazing to to listen to all of it. But I have to say, the Target stuff really freaked me out, Adam. Really, really freaked me out because you know a lot of people think they're like, "Oh, my phone is listening to me," and there are apps where that's true. But more often than not, it's just that you are a little too uh, fast and easy with your information, and and companies like Target are able to know that you're in the market for like whatever. The truth of the matter is, Bo, that, you know, people have a tendency to share so much information that it's so easy to kind of vacuum it up that they, you, someone doesn't have to listen to anybody in order to, to get that information. They just have to carefully watch what people do, what they buy, where they go. And uh, certainly every minute, these retailers, I mean, we, look, we live in a surveillance economy, right? 100%. And so, the, you know, I'm curious because, you know, nowadays I imagine a company like, and I'm now going to go down the rabbit hole for sure, but Travis, a company like Target with all this data, they must have like a Watson-like computer. And if you don't know what a Watson computer is, it's IBM's giant thing that can, you know, figure anything out. Uh, it's a big computer. They, do, I mean, does Target do that or do they hire Watson to do that? Do you know? Uh, I don't know about the specific hardware, but at the same time, I mean, it, uh, it, I think it pays a huge amount of dividends for them to be able to be able to predict what it is you're going to buy next. Um, but that's the same thing with any, um, any store that has a loyalty card, uh, when they give you a discount, if you happen to, you know, just use a, because you're a member or what have you, I mean that they're giving you the discount because they're getting more uh, data on you. And they go, they go out of their way. They're very excited to tell you on your receipt the staggering amount of money you've saved. Right. But that's because they've just vacuumed up a staggering amount of information about you. Right. And um, they share they share their data with uh, Google. Um, it's just one example where if you put something on a credit card, Google is able to match that up to whether or not you had just seen an ad online. Well, I mean, the... the it. That is like the tip of the iceberg for, you know, OSINT, for open source intelligence. And you, you, can, you don't need to have access to the credit card companies to, um, to re-identify somebody. Sure, you know, Google and Apple and um, the biggies out there, Facebook, they can re-identify you any day of the week. And they have access to credit card information because they buy it. But... But you have to be careful when you're not, even when you're doing something that seems like it, it shouldn't be re-identifiable. The fact is, everything we do is 
pretty damn re-identifiable if it's online. Adam, do you like when you see new reviews and, and ratings on Apple Podcasts? I love when I see new reviews and ratings. I noticed, Travis, you do too. You just sent us. You both you, you, you texted us two new ones the other day. Yeah, it brightens up my day in the way that I uh, operate under a permanent little thundercloud that uh, <laughs> is a rare little bit of sunshine. So thank you. All right. So listen, if you like the show, go on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give this podcast five stars. And for those of you who are dying to get this answer and didn't have time to Google it, the answer you're looking for as to the one letter that will never appear in the name of any state is... Oh, come on. I don't believe... Travis? Yes? Did you did you Google it? Oh, of course I Googled it. And did you get the answer I got? Um, I believe so. What answer did you get? W. Really? No, I got... Washington, it. Wisconsin... Hmm. Hey, 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 take it easy on me. I'm old. Q. I got Q. Oh, what state is uh, Z in? Arizona. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> I should have known that. Anyway, so now that you now that you guessed correctly and you got Q, even if you Googled, Adam is going to give you, every single one of you, a box of Tic Tacs. You just tell them what flavor you want. There you go. Just let us know who you are. And he's going to send them himself. He's going to send them in an envelope. All right, that's probably a lie. Adam, are you going to send them Tic Tacs? Oops. Well, I would do that, Tic-tacs. except they would, then, they, would have to prov- <laughs> they would have to provide us their address, which, you know, we're very Scratch covetous. That. Scratch people. that, guys. We're gonna, Adam is going to do a dance for you on Tic Tac. I would totally do my chicken dance on Tic Tac for those of you who get it right. Right. So if you want to see Adam do the chicken dance on TikTok, which will involve us setting up a TikTok account for what the heck, you have to leave a review on Apple Podcasts that says, I want to see Adam do the chicken dance. Can we see the chicken? Can you get up and show us the second, show us the chicken dance real quick. Let's see it. Now you can't see. That's the chicken dance? Wow, all right. Guys, this is probably... <laughs> probably oh, that's a mighty fine chicken dance that I went that is, <laughs> Chickens don't do that. No, <laughs> at all. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree Media. It's produced by Andrew Stephen, the man with two first names. You can find us online at loudtreemedia.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin.